In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second Sunday of the blessed month of Amshir and reminding you that we are going through the Gospel of John chapter 6 during this month, uh, at least for the first three weeks. Um, if we get to the fourth week before Great Lent starts, it'll be the story of Zacchaeus, which is the story that um, is almost like a pre-Great Lent Gospel. But focusing on John chapter 6 right now, we have the story of the feeding of the 5,000. If you remember, the Gospel of John does not have the Last Supper account. It does not have Jesus taking bread and taking the cup of wine, blessing it and giving it to the disciples and saying, take, eat, this is my body. It's not in the Gospel of John. But John chapter 6, after the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, Christ speaks to the people and says to them, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And so for St. John, the purpose, or you could say the effect of the, uh, the, of the Last Supper account is placed after the feeding of the 5,000. Now the feeding of the 5,000 is very similar to what we do here. Again, when, when we look to the accounts of the Last Supper and the accounts of the feeding of the 5,000, you have in the account of the feeding of the 5,000 that he gives thanks. Right? And this becomes part of our liturgy. And then in the feeding of the 5,000, he breaks and he distributes. But in the, in, in the Last Supper, we have this idea of him also sanctifying, breaking, and of course giving thanks and distributing it to all of his disciples and to all of us, essentially. So what I'm trying to focus on right now is that this is very liturgical in the sense of what we are doing here exactly like the feeding of the 5,000. What Christ is doing here, and God willing, if we can, we'll pray apart from the Gregorian liturgy in a little bit, where we'll say, as you blessed, as you broke, as you sanctified, so also do it now. But there is something that we have to focus on prior to the feeding of the 5,000, prior to the miracle. Now you might think this is small, you might think this is unimportant, you might think this is secondary, but it's essential for us. And it is the offering that that little boy gave to Christ. The offering. There would have been no feeding of the 5,000 without the offering of the two fish and the five loaves. This is essential because oftentimes we know we know that God can do anything. We know that He can create out of nothing. But God wants us to participate in everything He does. God wants us to participate in the miracles. God wants us to participate in the offerings and the sacrifices. This was our job from the very beginning when we were created. When we were created, Adam and Eve in the garden, they were created to be like the priests of creation. And what was meant by that is that they offer to God everything that they have, everything that He has given to them. Abel was able to do this. Abel did this in offering to God sacrifices that he accepted. Right? Nobody told Abel and nobody told Cain, you have to offer sacrifices. 
This was something innate within them. This was something within them that they knew to do and they reacted in this way. If you pay attention to today's Pauline epistle and if you paid attention to the, gospel, to the psalm, uh, actually all the psalms, the psalm from this morning and today, from right now, you have the, uh, the concept of offering. <coughs> what was in the Pauline epistle? Abraham and, Mel- and Melchizedek or Melchizedek. It's a very strange story. Anyone who reads the Old Testament will find this story just pops out of nowhere and then disappears. In Genesis chapter 14, you know, it, it, it comes out in Genesis chapter 14 that all of a sudden Lot had been kidnapped by some, by some uh, kings and Abraham goes off to make war against them. It doesn't sound like Abraham. It doesn't sound like the Abraham we know. Uh, but Abraham goes off and makes war against them and he takes his servants, 318 of them, and he goes off to war and he defeats these kings and he's able to bring back um, Lot. But then, out of nowhere, as he's returning from the defeat of these kings, from defeating these kings, it says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out to him and to his, his army fed him bread and wine. This is 2,000 years before the miracle of, of uh, the Last Supper, before Christ comes to offer himself in the form of bread and wine. Melchizedek offers to Abraham bread and wine. And it says, uh, and he blesses Abram. And then it says, Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. A tenth of everything. Uh, and the king of uh, it said um, um, and the, I mean and the story goes on and then we know at the end of chapter 14 it just ends the story ends and then chapter 15 begins God's covenant with Abram and the story of Ishmael and then the sign of the covenant covenant and so on and so forth and before that um, before that Abram was just called by God so the story comes out of nowhere and this strange, I want to say, character of Melchizedek comes and, and, and appears and disappears. He's a king and it says he's a priest of God Most High. Now this offering of bread and wine becomes for us a symbol of the body and blood of Christ. And Melchizedek becomes a type of Jesus Christ who is our high priest. And why would uh, Melchizedek, uh, what the relationship between Melchizedek and Christ is so strong that in monasteries in Egypt you have an icon of this offering in the altar to symbolize communion. Now Abraham gave a tenth back to Melchizedek and that's what we're going to focus on today. And this little boy bringing five loaves and two fish and then the psalm that was just read says, Bring offerings and go into his courts. Worship the Lord in his holy courts. Why I'm speaking about offering and why I'm speaking about giving, I'm going to use the words of St. Paul. St. Paul said, Not that I seek the gift. He says, I'm not seeking what you're, what I, what the gift that's going to come. But I seek the fruit that abounds to you on your account. The fruit that you receive, forgiving. 
the fruit that comes to you forgiving when we give and when we offer we are bringing to the Lord and we are participating in the sacrifice we are participating in the sacrifice uh, in the Old Testament we talked about tithing everyone who reads the Old Testament knows that there was a tithe that had to be offered and that tithe was supposed to be right off of the top a tenth of whatever and that was the way the people participated in the sacramental life in the Old Testament so today right for example today uh, we want to participate we come to church early right but if let's say nobody gave any money and there was nothing for us to make the bread with nothing for us to make uh, to buy the wine with we would not have a liturgy today people come and they offer out of their abundance and some people offer out of what the little that they have but everyone that offers it goes and is connected to the exact sacrifice that we are offering today. I love the story, um, Abuna, a priest in New Jersey, said the story about the villages in Egypt. That the person who was going to make the urban would go out the night before on Saturday and would knock on all the doors and would ask the people to bring flour for uh, the offering. And those that had good flour gave good flour. And those that didn't have good flour, of what they had, they gave. And it was mixed in. So you had good flour mixed with maybe not so good flour. And that was used to combine, combine, it was used to make the offering. It's a beautiful image for what we're supposed to do. It's a beautiful image for what we do. Yes, we don't give uh, a flour to the church in that way. But when we offer, whether it's the tenth of the Old Testament, uh, we are offering to participate within the sacrifice. And this offering in the Old Testament was essential because you couldn't participate in the religious life without making offerings. You had to at least make the poorest of whatever offering. And there was always, if you could, you do this. If you didn't have, you did the poorest offering. Like St. Mary and, and Joseph, when they went to, the, went to the temple, they made an offering on the 40th day of Christ's uh, presentation to the temple. We just celebrated that, fe that feast last Friday, the, they were able to only do the poorest, which were two turtle doves. The, that was the poorest that, that you could offer, but you had to bring something. That was the only way people could interact with God. It wasn't like you could sit at home and, and say a prayer and God heard you and that was enough. No, in order to make, for example, a prayer of repentance, you went, you offered a sacrifice, and that offering was given to God in that way. Or if you had, um, it was a good year and your crops brought in a lot, you gave a tenth of your, uh, of your crops, or you gave of the first fruits to your crops. And, and, and even till this day, people still will come, if they have a tree in their backyard of figs, they'll bring it to the priest. Or if they have a tree in their backyard that's producing some sort of fruit, they, they'll bring it to the bishop, or they'll bring it to the priest of the church, in a way to bring these offerings to God and to follow this law. Now we have Abraham's story. We also have Jacob's ladder. In the story of Jacob's ladder, he puts a stone and he says, This stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. A tenth to you. 
and uh, Leviticus speaks about the tenth, Numbers speaks about the tenth, Malachi speaks about the tenth in a different way. He says when you neglect these offerings, you're stealing from God. He says uh, Malachi was accusing of the people of offering the poorest and the worst of their flocks and their storehouses. And God replies, he says, in tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. If they bring their tithe, says, they bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing. Now, this was the Old Testament, but what do we say about the New Testament? What happens in the New Testament? There's a verse that we often pass over and we often uh, maybe miss the meaning, but in this verse we see something else that Christ is saying. Christ said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. And we usually stop there and we say, See, it's not about the tithe, but it's about mercy, it's about justice and faith. But Christ goes on and he says, These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Both go together. The offering and justice and mercy and faith. And now in the New Testament and in the New Testament with the fathers of the church, you have St. Irenaeus, you have St. Uh, and you have a long list of saints um, St. John Chrysostom, Clement of Alexandria Hilary of Poitiers, Basil of Caesarea and so Isidore of Pelusium whom we celebrated today wrote about this as well but most importantly we have with us not so much a law but a guide. Not so much something where you will be punished or you will be cursed or you will have God's wrath upon you, but a guide. And what I want to encourage you today about this guide is that when we offer, we're connecting ourselves into the worship. At home, at home, people light candles, right? We light candles. When we're lighting a candle, especially for someone or for a certain person, we light a candle this is a small offering that we give to God. What does God have need from these offerings? He doesn't. But God knows, or what God is trying to teach us, is that this is for us to understand our relationship to God properly. And this idea of offerings has faded really fast in our church. Has faded really fast in a way that you, don't, you miss all the times during the liturgy when we're supposed to do offerings, or we just kind of pass over it and we don't really focus on it so much. I think I might have mentioned this to you before, um, but if not, I'll, it's worth repeating. This big, long um, uh, piece of material is called the prosferin. Prosferin means offering, the offering. This was used by the deacons to gather the offerings. We're blessed to have with us a deacon today. But not many churches have deacons. In, in our diocese, Embassy is building this up again. But just imagine how not many churches have deacons. 
And what was the purpose of the deacon? The deacon was to accept the offerings. This was his role. This was his goal. Uh, this was from the time of the Acts of the Apostles that the deacon was supposed to accept the offerings to give to the poor. So the deacon would the deacons would stand with this in the front, and during a certain part of the liturgy, everybody would bring their offerings to the front, whether it was oil, incense, uh, wine, um, or any of the materials that we needed for the church. When would that part of the liturgy be? Offer, offer, offer in order. Stand with trembling up towards these. In a little bit, when we do the kiss of peace, you have the chanter who will say, or you have the, the deacon from inside who will say, offer, offer, offer in order. In order, right? Let's not make it chaotic. Imagine a bunch of Middle Eastern people trying to offer and they're going to be pushing and everything. So there's offer in order. And there would be long hymns that would be sung during this time if there was a lot of offerings that had to be collected. You can have the aspasmus adam. You can have the great long uh, aspasesti, which is the long greet one another with the holy kiss. And then, of course, hiteni. And then it can even carry on into the liturgy when the, when the deacon says, look towards the east, you who are seated stand and look towards the east. That's because people were probably, this is taking a while, they're taking a little bit of a rest. So they're saying, okay, now we're getting going again. Everybody stand up. Everybody look towards the east. Let's pay attention. But we don't have any of that. And we don't have any of that because maybe times are changing, but also maybe people are not so keen on making these offerings uh, as they were in the early church. We have a hard time. We have a hard time with this concept of offering and our offerings are to God. We have a very difficult concept, especially, you know, I'm not, I don't know what people do with their money, but especially in our day and age. We look and we judge what, what is this, what's going on here, what's going on there. Uh, maybe I'll give to the Red Cross. Maybe I'll give to uh, some other non-profit organization. And we try to understand giving to God in a different way. But giving to God and giving to the church is related to this sacrifice. So how is it related to the sacrifice? I have somebody who's departed. I have somebody who's being baptized. I have somebody who's getting married. And when I make that offering and it becomes united with this sacrifice or I have a problem, a difficulty, I'm sick, I'm dealing with some issues. Now what I've done is my offering has gone to the church and has become part of this bread and this, and this wine. This bread and this wine that are offered to God, what does he do in return? I offer a little sacrifice and every sacrifice of the Old Testament every sacrifice of the Old Testament and what we continue to do, God responds not in an equal way. He responds in an, in an entirely unequal way. I give him a piece of bread, literally. That is what we are doing here. Let's not be confused about what we are doing. Let's not glorify what we are doing more than what, we, what, what it is. We are offering to God a piece of bread and a cup of wine. That's our offering. That's our sacrifice. And that becomes symbolic of everything that we do in our lives, all the offerings that we do. But Christ, through the Holy Spirit, fills it with His life. Fills it with Himself. And that is where our offerings become what is called sacramental. Our offerings become filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a few dollars that I put into the... Into the 
collection. It becomes something that is completely sanctified. Saint Clement of Alexandria, he said, with our money, our money becomes a source of deification for us, a source of becoming like God. Because we're using our money in a way that's not for our benefit, but for the glory of God. And God responds in this way. And there are so many saints who are saints simply because of the way they gave. There's a saint in the Eastern Orthodox Church. It's a funny story. He would give, and his wife was very much against his giving. And so one day he's coming, he would give everything. One day he's coming home on his donkey and he's got two bags of grain. His wife is outside and she sees him uh, and he's coming and somebody asks him for some grain so he gives him a little bit of grain. Somebody else asks for the grain. He gives him all the grain and then she says to him, why don't you just give away the donkey? So he gave away the donkey (laughs) and he came walking home. said he died and when he died his wife became filled with his spirit and she became a saint afterwards by giving and giving to everyone. I, I don't recall the name, but I, I have the name somewhere in my, in my uh, stuff. Uh, but it, it's a funny story, but at the same time we understand that this is our relationship with God. What He gives to us, we give back to Him. And this is, I, I mean, I hate to say this, this is, this is one of the only ways that we can participate together. Yes, we participate with our voices as well. And in the early church, everyone had to give. It said even the orphans. Do you know what the orphans had to give? The orphans that had nothing, they had to bring the water. Because water was free and water was easily accessible, so they brought the water. But everyone had to bring something. Everyone had to participate. And this is, this is very important for us when we read this story of the five loaves and the two fish. And we say, thank you. Thank you, God, for all the miracles and all the grace that you have given to us. Thank you for what you have given to us. And in thanking you, we offer back to you from what you have given to us. We give back to you. We say this in the liturgy. We offer unto you your gifts. This bread and this wine did not come from any of us. It came from God giving to us. And we're giving back to Him. He gave to us and we're giving back to Him. This is the right relationship. And this is why we, we are encouraging offerings and tithes. And this is, by the way, this is why we don't want uh, anyone who goes and plays the lottery. We don't, we don't care about that money. That's not the money that we want. It's not money we want. We want what you produced with your hands. The offerings of your hands. And this is, you know, you are neither better off or worse off if, if that, if that uh, lottery money is taken away from you. But when you give, and you give in a way that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, of course we're not in that situation, but when you give, these are the offerings that God is, is, is seeking from us. Even, and I'll tell you one last thing, even the desire to offer even though I have nothing. We say this in our liturgy. He who desire, those who desire to offer but, not, but, but have nothing. We're saying accept even their desire to offer. Even their desire to offer. So let us begin with the desire to offer. 
and let us continue to offer what we have and let us understand that when we offer what we have we're participating in the sacrifice that we're offering to God and when we participate in this sacrifice he responds not only to this offering but to what we have offered he responds with a blessing he responds by filling it with his life and responds by filling us with him do you see how this now our few dollars gets transformed into the body of Christ which he gives back to us so for those few dollars that I can you know, spend on coffee or I can spend on this if I give and I offer and I sacrifice to him what is given to us is exponentially greater than what we gave in the very beginning and just like this, this lad this, this nameless boy who offered five loaves and two fish the sacrifice that was given by him came back and not only blessed him not only did that child eat but 5,000 men plus women plus children all were benefited from this miracle from somebody who gave and sacrificed Christ reminding you of Philippians 4.17 St. Paul says not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account let us offer in this liturgy today our sacrifice to God with all of our heart with all of our mind, soul and strength let us give to him the sacrifice of our lives and let us offer to him the sacrifice of praise and let us look to the materials that we have and use them as a way for us to be in a right and true relationship with God to him be the glory the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit now and